0: Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. So it is a privilege to be here uh, with uh, the Harbor. Thanks Pastor Mike, Pastor Scott for uh, having me here. Uh, Anytime I get to stand on a stage, uh, I consider it an honor especially to share about Jesus. It's my passion. I love to do it. Uh, and I'm so privileged. I don't know why God lets me do it, because I am, <sighs> I can't even tell you. But um, I am honored to be here. Uh, like Scott said, uh, my name is Jordan Durso, and uh, I bring you greetings from Christ Tabernacle, where my father uh, is a senior pastor. And so whenever we got called into the pastor's office, it was not only to get counseled, but to get a spanking. <laughs> I live at home with my three daughters, uh, Marissa, Angelique, and Isabella. They are 18, 15, and 13. I wanna light myself on fire. <laughs> my 18 year old, we just dropped her off at college, uh, and uh, we got our car um, so she could drive home and everything. And she texted me the other, literally like, two nights ago. She was like, Dad, uh, can I call you? Don't be mad. Aww. Like, every worst thing that a dad could possibly think of is like racing through my mind. So of course I call her and I'm like, what happened? And she got a ticket and I was like, that's it? That's all right, like, <laughs> compared to everything else I was thinking about. Um, but I'm on staff at uh, Christ Tabernacle and all my three daughters, they were actually born uh, in the country of Peru. We lived there for about 11 years and uh, we did uh, missions work and uh, got to work for another organization. We had offices kind of all over Latin America and the Caribbean and uh, invented a program, took us all over Africa and, and uh, Asia and uh, everything that, I grew up doing, uh, I'd see my dad go to mission trips to Haiti and Guatemala, and I would always beg him to go uh, uh, for me to go with him since I was like six years old, and I just loved helping people. Um, And so when I when I turned 18, I was like, I want to be a missionary. So when I turned 20, I went uh, to go live in Peru, and uh, I wanted to tell people about Jesus and this whole kind of compassion-type ministry of uh, meeting physical needs that put us in posi- position to meet spiritual needs. It was just everything for me, and so uh, I did that uh, all the years that I was in Peru. And we'd do medical campaigns and dig wells and build houses and uh, you name it. I mean, gave out wheelchairs, all that kind of stuff. And then when I moved back to New York uh, in 2010 with the girls. Um, we started something called the Legacy Center, and uh, we feed the homeless, and, uh, and uh, we give out groceries and household items and all that stuff. But I believe you're not only supposed to help people in their situation, but out of their situation. Uh, and so, um, so we started educational programs and GD programs and financial educational programs and music programs, and it's just a lot of fun to help people. Uh, again not just where they're at but man help them out so you like you don't have to stay like this and so I love what I get to do you couldn't pay me to do anything else I don't know how to do anything else Uh, but I love what I get to do and I'm excited to share with you on this week one uh, of this compassion series because it's my passion Uh, and so I'm excited to share with you uh, a story Uh, and so if you have your Bibles I'm gonna read it it's Mark 2 we just watched it Uh, I'm gonna read it uh, in a second but Uh, I want to tell you a story. I I will not deny nor confirm that uh, I enjoy a good game of poker. (laughs) Anybody love playing cards? I didn't say for money. Anybody love playing cards? Sinners. (laughs) I love playing cards. So one time I was there playing cards with a bunch of my friends, and one of my friends had brought his 11-year-old son uh, to play with us. And I was like, man, this is a man's game. We sure you want him to play Cause I'm not gonna be nice, uh, and so the cards are dealt and first hands out, and I'm, I get a full house on the draw, and I'm like, man, I am going to like, I'm gonna slow play this, but I'm gonna wipe everybody out on the first hand, and uh, and so I put my uh, uh, I put my chips in, and I'm like, all right, I'm start slow play in this, I'm start slow, I'm put a couple chips in, and then the 11 year old kid is like, I'm all in. <laughs> so I had had to take a minute. And, like, you know, consult with the Lord, like, God, do I let this kid win? Um, and, you know, like, pat him on the head, like, good job, son. Uh, or to, like, you know, I teach him how the game is really played. And so I prayed. I closed my eyes. I prayed for a second and decided I am going to wipe the floor with this kid. <laughs> so I pushed all my chips in. I'm all in. And uh, this, uh, I put my full house down, and I'm looking at everybody's eyes like, yeah, everybody see my hand. Like, I got this. And then the little kid's like, uh, is this a good hand? And he's got four threes. <laughs> my pride sank to my stomach. I had to watch the rest of the poker game with popcorn and a Diet Coke in my hand. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, four of a kind always beats a full house Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, let's go. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, uh, Luke 5 says, when they could not find a way, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. That's my Jesus voice. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. This is an I am God statement. This is an open declaration of Jesus' authority. Uh, The physical was about to back up the verbal statement. So he said to the man, I'll tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Hashtag goals. Zero to 100, real quick. I mean, this story gets pretty amazing. It starts off with people hearing that Jesus was in the house. I mean, that's enough right there. We could end the sermon. People should know that Jesus is in the house. Patchogue should know that Jesus is in the house. Long Island should know that Jesus is in the house. New York City should know that Jesus is in the house. It's up to us to spread the word, so let's keep spreading the word and let's keep spreading the news and let some people know that Jesus is in the house because when Jesus is in the house, some stuff can pop off and some lives could be healed and some lives could be transformed and some pretty amazing things can happen when people hear that Jesus is in the house. So there's a house party, jam-packed, sold-out crowd. Jesus is ministering. People are listening. There's a meeting already in progress. And then over here there's this paralyzed man. What kind of paralysis does he have? I don't know, but one that would Hold him back from walking on his own. Maybe he heard that Jesus was in the house, but he could not get there on his own because he was paralyzed. Well, how did he get like that? How long has he been like that? Like, who did this to him? What happened? I don't know. But does it matter? So many times we can get caught up in these superficial questions, and it might have cost this guy his getting to Jesus moment. Like, it doesn't even matter why he's like that or how long he's been there. The only important thing was that he gets to Jesus. And then with this paralyzed guy, there's, there's uh, four other guys, and uh, I'm not sure if they knew him. Maybe they were friends of his. Uh, but one thing we know is they knew Uh, his situation they saw something was wrong they saw something needed to be done they didn't pass it off to the pastor or to everybody else or to say hey maybe somebody else will come by and help this guy or maybe hey we'll pray and wait for Jesus to leave the house and come to him no no they said hey we see something wrong we're going to get involved in this guy's life and we're going to make sure we do something about it they saw a situation and they said we we decide that the situation will not stay as is So they all bend down, grab a corner, lift with their knees. (laughs) Well, how much did he weigh? I don't know. It's not easy to carry somebody, but four makes it easier. And all four of them had to have the same goal and all had to have the same vision and all had to be walking in the same direction. Imagine if all of them grabbed a corner and everybody went off in their own direction. Everybody had to have the same goal of getting this guy to Jesus. They all had to be walking in the same direction. They all had to want to get this guy to Jesus, hashtag four of a kind. And they all had to be strong and healthy or at least strong and healthy Enough, and I'll get back to this in a bit. So they walk, uh, however far, carrying their friend who weighs however much. I'm I'm sure as they're walking, their their excitement level is through the roof. Dad jokes, and they get to the house, and there's a problem, there's an obstacle, there's a full house. These guys must have heard that Jesus had power to heal. They must have heard about the stories and they they knew that uh the healing was inside and they knew that they were outside uh and they knew they had to get inside but there was all this obstacle and stuff in the way and they knew that they they had to get in there but there was this stuff in the way and they were like man how do we do this uh, how do we h- how do we get this guy to Jesus and I'm sure uh maybe well th- they said all right uh you stay here you two stay with him I'm gonna go this way you're gonna go this way and and, and they check all around the house and they're looking for any cracks and openings or windows how are they going to get their friends to Jesus I'm sure they're scratching their head saying man how are we going to get this done how are we going to meet our goal how are we going to get this guy to Jesus and they could have said man we tried we got here too late we gave it our best go but we just got here and there's obstacles and there's all this stuff in the way and the door is shut and Man, maybe this is just how it was supposed to play out. Man, let, let's just go home It's getting late was for dinner. Not these guys. These guys were not letting the obstacles or the full house get in the way. It wasn't going to stop them. They were committed to get this done. And so they just knew that they had to get creative and figure out a way. And so they're looking around and they're looking all over the place. And they, they, they look this way and they look that way. And I love this. Someone at some point had to look At some point, somebody had to say, hey, guys, what? Look up. When the door seemed shut, they looked up. When the game seemed over, they looked up. When things seemed impossible, they looked up. When things just said, man, there's no way we're going to get in there, they looked up. When they needed help, they looked up because nothing supernatural happens unless we look up. Maybe by this time, the paralyzed man is on the floor like, guys, I appreciate it. You tried. It's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards. Like, like, it's okay. Like, you guys could go home. You gave it your best shot. But these four of a kind did not look down. They looked up. They were determined. They were desperate. This person needs Jesus, and there's no way we're going to stop until he gets to Jesus. I will not quit. I'm not going to quit my friend because if I quit my friend, my friend's going to stay in this paralyzed condition. My my friend's going to stay ostracized and left out of the party, and and he's going to stay on the floor and weak and crawling, and he's going to stay in this situation for a lot longer, and he's never going to walk in the destiny that God has for him. He's never going to reach his full potential if I quit my friend just because of some obstacles in the way. We're getting them to Jesus no matter what it takes. And so somehow they get their friend to the roof, and they get up there, and they figure out where Jesus is at in the room. He must be right around here, and they start to dig hole. They had to break through some stuff. Can I say that the breakthrough doesn't happen until the breakthrough happens? The breakthrough doesn't happen until they actually break through the roof. And sometimes, man, we just need to break through some stuff to get our breakthrough, we gotta break through discouragement and break through depression and break through laziness and break through our own apathy and break through uh, uh, spiritual walls and sadness and hurt. And sometimes we gotta break through people because even people get in the way. Breakthroughs not just this magical instant moment. Just because Jesus said it is finished doesn't mean that there's not no work to be done. Sometimes you you gotta start breaking through some stuff for you to get your breakthrough. Now imagine. Full houses inside, and what are they thinking? I mean, maybe they, they hear a ladder hit the side of the house. Maybe they hear some footsteps now on top of the house. Maybe they hear some scratching and some digging and then at some point there's like this light coming from outside through the roof. Uh, like like, what in the world and some dust particles are hitting them and pieces of ceiling are now hitting them in the head. Like what in the world is happening? Right now, don't you know that Jesus is in the middle of a service, that there's a service itinerary? What in the world is happening? The four of the kind get the hole big enough to get their friend through and somehow lower their friend right in front of Jesus. And they didn't care that there was... A lot of people there already that had gotten there before him, that, 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 that there was a line that Jesus was in the middle of something. They didn't care about the flow or the service itinerary. They didn't care that stuff was already happening. The four of a kind didn't care about Michelle, Danny, Stephanie, DJ, Joey, or Uncle Jesse, or anyone else in the full house. They only cared about getting their friend to Jesus because four of a kind always beats a full house. What would happen if some men and some women stopped caring about the inconvenience or the discomfort or what's frowned upon or not the norm or breaking some rules or what's happening at the moment to get somebody to Jesus? What what would happen if some men and some women did whatever it took to get some people to Jesus? I mean, I see Jesus all over this. I I see Jesus uh, not caring about comfort or being stripped naked and embarrassed or what was the norm or religious protocol uh, to get to us. He he did whatever it took to pay the debt. He came to carry us and take on our weight and fight for us and heal us and forgive us and lift us up. And there's no full house or any obstacle that's going to get in the way of Jesus getting to us. And, and, and getting us to a place of health so that we could live the abundant life that God called each and every single one of us to live. You know, it doesn't even say that after they lower their friend, that they lower themselves. It wasn't like, okay, Jesus, uh, it's my turn. We're coming down now. Maybe the four of a kind. Maybe they had some needs of their own. Maybe, maybe they had some issues in their, their own home or in their own lives. It doesn't even say that they lower themselves. All that to the side. It was all about getting their friends to Jesus. And because of the faith of the four of a kind, this persistent faith, this breakthrough faith, because of their faith, Jesus heals their friend. And not just physically, actually the physical doesn't even happen first. Jesus says, hey, son, your sins are forgiven. And I almost imagine the four guys up top looking through the hole, seeing what's happening, like uh, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, I appreciate you forgiving his sins, but we were kind of hoping that we wouldn't have to carry him back. (laughs) Like, thanks, but that's not really what we asked for. And Jesus is like, I know, but that's what he needs. And I like to tell somebody that Jesus knows what we need, Jesus knows us better than we even know ourselves. You know, we think to ourselves, if if I had this or I had that, then I'd be happy. If I could walk, then I'd be happy. If I had this house, then I'd be happy. If I had this title, then I'd be happy. If I had this promotion, then I'd be happy. If I had this relationship, then I'd be happy. If, if I had this many Instagram followers, then I'd be happy. Your problem is not in your physical paralysis, but it's actually in your spiritual paralysis. We focus so much on the physical part. And Jesus is like, man, let me do the spiritual first. Like, like I, I, your, your problem isn't the blank. Like, let me let me deal with your hurt and your guilt and your shame and your lack of joy. Let me, let me deal with all that stuff. And then we can deal with the other stuff. Then you can enjoy the freedom and the blessings that I have for you. So he forgives first. He goes inside out. Then after eternal life is taken care of, he's like, Oh, you want to walk until you live forever? That's cool. We could do that too. Yeah. <laughs> we got that. Take your mat and walk. I, I I love this that Jesus cares about both. Jesus cares about both, the physical and the spiritual, like, why are we doing a compassion week? Why are we helping some kids that we may never even get to the country? We may never even meet them. Why do we go out and serve uh, people that are hungry? Why do we give out backpacks? Why do, we, why do we do this or do that or help kids with education? Like, why do we do any of that? Because Jesus cares about both, and I believe both can happen. I believe bo- Jesus is interested in both the physical and the spiritual. Of course, the spiritual is the eternal stuff. But, man, Jesus cares about his sons and daughters here on earth. And so I'm so thankful that he didn't leave me to the side, but he cared about me enough to come down and rescue me. And he cares about my physical. He cares about my mental. He cares about my financial. He cares about my spiritual. And so he tells the guy, take your mat and walk. Go home. Go on, get out of here. So this guy picks up his mat. probably looking around. Thanks, Jesus. And he's got to go out the door. But there's a full house. It was so jam-packed that they couldn't get in. So how in the world is he going to get out? And and so so this guy has to be like, okay, the the exit's over there. I'm over here. I just got up. I just learned how to walk. He picks up his mat. And he's got to be like, I'm sorry, excuse me. I'm sorry, 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 excuse me, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I just learned to walk, sorry, excuse me. I, I don't know, I don't know if you saw this, but 12 seconds, oh, I couldn't do this, and Jesus did this for me, and it's, it's crazy. I mean, this is my testimony, like before I was paralyzed and I was lying on the floor and I was ostracized and left out of the party, and then all of a sudden some guys got me to Jesus, and now Jesus healed me, and now I could walk on my own. And every single step that he takes in the crowd, walking over the very thing that was holding him back, walking over the very thing that was stopping him from meeting his Savior and stopping him from getting his blessing and his breakthrough, now he's taking steps over people, over all those problems, over all those things blocking him. And every single step is shouting, look at Jesus. And then, like what I love about it is, he doesn't even leave the same way he came in. See, he was lowered through brokenness, but he walks out whole. He, he was lowered, carried on a mat, but he walks out carrying his own mat. He, was, he, was, he comes in uh, spiritually crippled, but he, he leaves forgiven. He, he, he comes in a, a, a sinner, but he leaves a saint. That's the goal every time you and I meet with Jesus, we should leave differently than the way we came in. And every single time we talk to somebody about Jesus, they should leave differently than the way they came in. And Jesus, why'd you have him carry his mat? I like to think that the testimony should always go farther than the house. There was all these people outside that probably couldn't see in because the house was so packed. There were all these people outside that were trying to get in and trying to get an eyewitness, but they couldn't get in just like the four guys and the, and the paralyzed guy. They couldn't get in. So there's all these people that saw him being carried on his mat in and now see him walking out holding his mat. The testimony has to go farther than these four walls. The testimony just can't stay here. It's not just for the house. It's not just for the eyewitnesses. All of our testimonies should go out that door, and people should be amazed at what God did because of what happened in here. And then I think about the the reunion, Like, like the four guys, they're still up top looking at everything that happened. They're looking through the hall. They're looking at the fruit of their labor like, this is incredible. Look at our friend. Look, he's walking. He's getting up. He's walking through the crowd. They must have been so excited that they jump off the roof. (laughs) And they all break their legs. I'm kidding. (laughs) Jesus? (laughs) They get down as quick as possible, and they get with their friend, and they're so excited to see what Jesus did for their friend. And I imagine that their friend was also pretty excited for the four friends that didn't give up on him, that carried his weight, that that loved him enough that they would actually go the extra mile and they'd put their own needs to the side and they'd pick him up and they'd carry him and they'd take him to a higher level and they'd they'd dig through some stuff and they'd get the breakthrough and they'd lower their friend to Jesus. Like, they did everything they could so that this guy could get his breakthrough, his healing. See, because they picked up his mat, the man could pick up his own mat. Because they served, the man could now... Serve the Lord. Because they were healthy, the man could be healthy. Because they believed the man could experience and believe. Because they walked, the man came to know Jesus and he could walk on his own. Because this guy had some people in his life that were healthy, that were strong, that were determined. Or at least stronger than him, at least healthier than him. The four guys had to be healthy to get their friend to Jesus. If you've ever been sick, And you're anything like me, big baby. When you're sick, you're good for nothing. You can't help anybody. You can't even help yourself. Why go to church? Why why do Sundays or Tuesdays? Why why do compassion weeks? Or why do uh, small groups? Or why do prayer? Why, Why pray? Why read our Bibles? Because when you and I are healthy, it helps somebody else get healthy. When you and I are strong, it helps somebody else get strong. When we're sick, we can't help anybody. We can't even help ourselves. And so can I pause here real quick and maybe leave the compassion thing, but not really, and ask us, man, do we have four of a kind in our lives? Like if you're taking notes, write one, two, three, four, and it doesn't have to really be a specific number, but like who are those people in your lives that will do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus? So we surround ourselves with people that want the same things, that have the same passion, that are life-giving and joy-filling, people that are going to add value to our lives and push us forward and cheer us on to keep running. I have a friend that did the New York City Marathon, and it's 26.2 miles, and um, she noticed that as she was practicing, she would go about seven miles, and she started to get fatigued, and she just kind of wanted to give up, and she's like, I can't keep going. I can't do this anymore, and so she was pretty smart. She she asked a couple of her friends. She said, hey, uh, I, I'm going to be strategic about this. Every around seven miles, I start to like wear down, and I don't want to keep going, so would you stand on the seven-mile marker, and would you stand on the 14-mile marker, and would you stand on the 21-mile marker, and would you stand at the finish line so that every time I feel like I'm, I'm just running out of gas I have some friends in my life that are going to keep cheering me on and saying keep going keep running keep fighting you can do this and so she finished the race because she had some people in her life that were cheering her on we have to be connected to the body we have to be connected to other Christians other brothers and sisters if you've ever seen Criminal Minds you would know that detached body parts are gross Loneliness is never good, God said that at creation. I mean, you're in jail with murderers and rapists, and when you're bad, the thing that they do to punish you is put you in solitary confinement. Man, sometimes we allow fear and shame and guilt and bitterness and hurt to put us in solitary, and we do life by ourselves, and we have no one cheering us on, and it's just no good. Like, life's calling you to the party, like, bitter party of one. Angry party of one, I want joy party of five, don't do this life alone, it's too hard, you need a spotter, you need the buddy system, remember, hold hands, don't get lost, don't go alone. You have to have a circle, and not just, just about how many but what kind, like, like like-minded community to help us be healthy so that we can help others be healthy. Like people checking up on us, people allowed to be real with us, people allowed to see the unfiltered stuff, people allowed to FaceTime us at any moment, like, how you doing? Your face looks great, but how's your heart? I've been paralyzed. I actually went through a divorce about 10 years ago, and I was pretty embarrassed. And I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. and I'm a Christian. How in the world is this happening to me? I don't get it. I can't believe that this is happening. And I was so embarrassed. I I went into solitary confinement. I didn't want to tell my friends. I didn't want to tell my my pastors. Like, I didn't want to tell anybody that this was actually happening. And my marriage was falling apart. And I was living in the Peru at the time. And uh, I was kind of far away enough that I I could kind of hide it. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And I got to be honest, sometimes it creeps up again from time to time. And and I got to focus on my health and make sure, no, 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 you can't go back there. You got to stay healthy. And so I'm I'm thankful that I have some people in my life that are in my corner, like a a Scott, that's saying, come on, Jordan, keep running, keep fighting. You could do it. You go to the end, finish well. I want some people in my corner that's going to root for me going to carry me when i can't walk on my own they're going to lift me up when i feel paralyzed when i feel like i'm just stuck they're going to push me forward and they have the same vision and the same goal and they're going to they're going to lift with their knees they're going to pick me up and they're going to do whatever it takes to get me to jesus so then i could be that one for someone else to do whatever it takes to get them to jesus musicians would you come help me you could say, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I don't have a title at the church. Like, that's for other people. That's for the worship team. That's for the pastors. That's for the leadership to get people to Jesus. You could, you could put all your insecurities and, and your excuses on the table. Like, that's for somebody else. Uh, like, 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 I don't want to get involved in that. I haven't been to church that much. I haven't read through the whole Bible. I, I don't know all the stuff that I'm supposed to know. Like, I haven't gone through all the courses Anybody have a friend that's not healthy? would did you do whatever it took to get that person to the hospital? would did you do whatever it took to get that person to a doctor? Like if you've ever seen someone drowning, imagine you see someone drowning and you're like, hey, sorry, bud. I, I don't know the proper techniques. I haven't taken lifeguard classes. I, I don't swim like Phelps. I, I'm sorry, but hopefully somebody else will, will help you. What did we do? Whatever it took to get out there. Like, if you knew the magnitude and the severity and the urgency of the situation, that it's like literally a life or death situation. What did you do? Whatever it took to get to that person and get him to a place of safety. The stakes are too high to just sit there and count the cost and ask all the questions. And it's work. It's sweat. It's time it's giving. It's not easy, but when the door seems shut, when things seem too hard, let's figure it out. Let's get determined. Let's get desperate. Let's get creative. Let's take things to a higher level. Let's look up. Let's let's start uh, uh, climbing and start uh, digging and start breaking up some stuff. Whatever it takes to get some people to the only solution that could heal every sickness and every tormented mind and every seemingly hopeless situation and every paralyzed situation we we have these we have a food pantry and 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 when the, the families line up out the door we we do like a little huddle before we open the doors and we, we tell all the volunteers we're like man we have no idea what those people are coming in with we have no idea how they woke up this morning we have no idea what their bank account looks like we have no idea what the doctors told them we have no idea what their husbands or they were wa- we have no idea so let's just love some people Let's not ask the questions, why are you here? How can I help? Like, like we just want to love on them with the ultimate goal, of course, of getting them to Jesus. We don't know the stuff that's plaguing their minds, the, the guilt and the shame. I mean, it could be so crippling. It could be so paralyzing. I, I've been there. I've done that. And so I refuse to stand by and watch people sick and hurting when I, when I know the great physician. I, I refuse to stand by and watch people drowning when I, when I know the captain of the ship. I, I refuse to let people uh, die when I know eternal life. Like, I refuse to let people stay in their problems when I know the best solution that could ever reach their lives. I refuse. I can't. I won't. Like, I, like I, I draw the line in the sand and I say, man, I put my foot down. I see that there's a problem. And, yes, somebody else could help, but why not me? Why, why, why not me? Why, why does it have to be somebody else? Like, like I'm going to bend down and I'm going to lift with my knees and I'm going to make sure that this person gets to Jesus no matter what it takes. And, and it's, not just to, uh, it's not just to get a full house for full house's sake. That's not what the harbor's about. It's to get some like-minded people moving in the same direction with the same compassion to get more people to Jesus. So let's think outside the house. Like, if I have to go to a hospital once a week, or I have to go to senior citizen home uh, once a week, or I have to go sit on a park bench with some homeless people, or I have to uh, uh, start some, some kind of food pantry, or I have to uh, 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 support uh, some kid in a country I may never get to. Like, like, if I have to nag some people to get them to church, if I have to tell them, hey, there's some single dudes or some single girls, or, or there's, there's a free concert, like, lie to them. If you lie to people to get them to church, it's okay, it's covered. I'm kidding. But whatever it takes, when I was living in Peru, uh, we would do a medical campaign every single Saturday, 52 weeks a year, and we'd have thousands of people on our line, mostly women and children. We set up these massive tents, and we had uh, doctors and, and pediatricians and dentists, and we I mean, we had every kind of doctor, and we'd give out medicine, and we'd give out food, and of course, we'd have, like, these little prayer rooms. We'd, we'd pray with people and share the gospel with them, and, and so one Saturday, uh, my, my I was home, and I was about to get ready to leave to the medical campaign, and, and my daughter, uh, who was, she's 18, she. Oh, she was she was 18 she was like six at the time she was like she was so cute she was like dad uh can I go with you to the medical camp campaign and I was like of course baby come on let's go so she jumps in the truck and we're backing out of the driveway and uh she's like wait wait I forgot something so she runs back inside she comes outside she puts a little purse on I was like how cute is that she's been a little girl so we get to the medical campaign and we get out of the car and we start walking through the tent and we're saying hi to all the doctors and all the volunteers. And we go outside, and we say hi to everybody on the line. And my daughter's right behind me saying hi to everybody and being so nice. And, and then all of a sudden she like switched, like, 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 just switched. She got real bossy. I'm not going to tell you who she took after in that moment. <laughs> Kidding. She's like, "Hey, I need a table and I need two chairs." She sets it up. She takes out her purse and she starts taking out all these little nail polishes and all these different colors. And I mean, they were just nasty because, right? They're like, like all the the paint had like dripped out. She's six, right? So they were just all just nasty. And they, anyway, uh, so she looks over and I'm just watching this. I'm like on the side, like watching, like what in the world is my daughter doing? And she's like, she puts it all up, she lines it up, and she looks over at the line of couple thousand people and all these women and children and she walks over and she walks over to the first girl and she's just like um hey she goes uh, why don't you come with me and this little girl is holding her mom's hand she like she looks at my daughter and then she looks at her mom and she's like uh mom this little white girl's trying to kill me <laughs> stranger danger and my daughter convinced her to come with her And she brings her over and she sits her in the chair and she asks her in Spanish, she says, hey, what color do you want? And the little girl, you know, real fearfully kind of like points to this one. And So my daughter takes it and she starts painting her nails, I mean her whole hand because she's like six, right? But like this little girl's face changed from like utter fear of being kidnapped and killed to this incredible like smile. Like there was just this glow like, man, nobody's ever done this for me ever and then all of a sudden all these other little girls that were on the line that are watching this start telling their mom like hey mom can I go get my nails done because they've never had an experience like that and then all of a sudden my daughter's line was bigger than my line and I was like excuse me girl no competition (laughs) my daughter didn't ask say dad on the way there could we buy some extra nail polish she took from her own resources she took from the little that she had that to you and I didn't look like much. And she literally put this smile on this girl's face. She like instilled hope in a situation that this girl was online to go get some free medicine and be seen by a doctor. And who knows what the doctor was going to tell her. Like, like for that moment. And I'm like, man, if a six-year-old little girl could do it, what excuse does any of us have? we could take from our own resources we could we could meet needs in ways that I mean if we just got creative if we just figured out a way to 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 get some people to Jesus to instill hope in people that woke up in this seemingly hopeless situation like are we doing everything we can like what's too big what's too heavy what's too what's too hard what's too much what's too far I mean if he He did it then with my daughter if he did it for this paralyzed man he did it for me like couldn't we believe that he would do it for someone else like if he did it then couldn't he do it now if he did it there couldn't he do it here for all the people that are outside these four walls in patchog i imagine this guy who met jesus this ex-paralyzed man who woke up that morning on the floor and now, after meeting Jesus, now he's walking on his own. And maybe throughout that week, now he's walking, he's skipping, he's jumping, he's running. And maybe he, he just happens to pass by somebody that is paralyzed. Somebody else that's on the floor that can't walk on his own. And I, I have to imagine, I mean, if the song was out, this guy was probably saying, I seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe you could do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe he could do it again. I mean, anyone have faith for someone else? Oh, that our faith would move God on other people's behalf. Can we believe that if he did it then, he could do it now? If, if he did it for them, he could do it again? And again. anybody in the room believe that? Would you stand with me? Come on, Harbor, let's believe for some pretty big, incredible things. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash